and welcome to the Creation Theatre podcast. Um, topic for today, with Dracula coming up, um, is small casts. Um, they are a hot topic at the moment and we're kind of bouncing around um, lots of different kind of thoughts and opinions on that within the office. So I've got Lucy um, and we're going to talk through um, what, what is a small cast and why do we do it and why would we not do it in some cases. And So it's it's got a bit of history at creation. Um, Jekyll and Hyde, 2013, um, despite the title only had one man, lovely Michael Palmer. Um, same year, we did Henry V at Oxford Castle with three. Um, our Alice in Wonderland, which was last summer, and summer 2015 um, was four, which, although that's, those two felt like really big shows, actually cast of four in both. Um, and then further back in creation time, Tales from King James, the Helen Tennyson show that was a cast of two, Shakespeare, Saints and Sinners, one man show. Um, so yeah, we've been making small cast, King Lear, with four. four. I always think there was five in that show. Tash was so good at talking to herself. Um, yeah, we've been making small cast shows um, for uh, for donkey's years. Um, so Lucy, it's just to save money though, isn't it? That's that's why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, no, I think it's something that, that we do for lots of different reasons. The So the first, so obviously like Saints and Sinners and Tales from King James sort of predate the current creation team creation 2.0 as we call ourselves so so i i can only speculate as as to why the great david parish it was just so uh, did those shows but yeah i think they had lots of sort of artistic drives between them and and things in them they wanted to explore that they felt were better explored with a smaller cast for us jekyll and hyde was the first real kind of like one person show well the only one person show we've done but the first kind of really small uh, small cast show that we did and that was really it came about because it was straight after our emergency fundraising campaign so at that point it you know it was partially a financial thing that we didn't have a lot of money to put on a show and um, we had very little money to put on a show and it actually started life I was thinking about this the other day I'd forgotten it started life that we went to Caroline Devlin who directed it and, and did the adaptation and said let's do a dramatic reading we weren't intending to do a one-person show we said we'll do a dramatic reading of a kind of maybe something a bit gothic-y in Blackwells we think people you know we think we can sell some tickets for that we think we can make that interesting and fun what do you think and Caroline came back with this idea to do Jekyll and Hyde and it really quickly and without almost without ever making a decision it really quickly became a full-blown show with a a really good lighting budget and a really good sound budget and 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 Michael was incredible and Caroline did this amazing adaptation of it and it was only an hour long and Michael had to perform it twice most nights like I think we had one night a week he could do it once and every other night he did it twice and it just was uh, have so much affection for that show it was incredible and I think almost we didn't appreciate how amazing it was at the time because just the feat that he did each night performing on his own going out there but really that it never felt like oh it's one person it's one actor because what having one cast member allowed us to do was really ramp up the lighting and the sound in it and and Ashley Bale's lighting and Matt Eaton's sound really were a massive part of that show and actually kind of you know there's been plenty of shows in the past and you know shows that I've seen other people do where you might have a cast of six but you've spent 200 quid on your lighting and you don't even have a sound designer and actually when you allow those two elements to be really equal weighting to the person performing on the stage there is so much that can be created and there was this incredible moment at Jekyll and Hyde where Matt had positioned the speaker as such that you had the sound of a carriage the sound of a street a London street and the sound of a carriage moving across the space and you really 
And that was Michael's reaction to it. You really, you saw that carriage. You felt that carriage was there. Like it created a whole piece of set that didn't even exist. And you, it was so vivid that, you know, you would almost swear blind that, that you actually saw a busy street in London and you saw a carriage move. So, you know, I think the success of Jekyll, like, has, has really, really opened up the how exciting those possibilities are. And actually the value of giving those other elements, like importance and space. Because I think not... you think... It's it's easy to think a show is the actors. Yeah. I think you, you sit and you watch it and someone says, did you enjoy that show? And you go, oh, my God, the like the main woman, she was amazing. And actually what brings the identity of a creation show is so often the sound of Matt and the lights of Ash. Like, yeah. they're so key in, in what in what people yeah. think of as a creation show but they're kind of invisible they don't come on at the end and take a bow and you don't necessarily notice that a beautiful lighting change just happened or there's a kind of creepy sound going on there and it's making you feel something and like 1984 had so much of what I think what really got to people was sound was this was, yeah. it wasn't the the acting was amazing and what people were doing on stage was amazing but actually what really kind of gets into your brain is the stuff that you don't yeah. even realise. So if yeah. that if that that's in no way kind of reduced or increased really, that's a yeah. kind of constant across creation shows. So and then it was sort of coincidental really that so we did Jekyll and Jekyll I think probably is one of our most successful shows in terms of sort of, you know, audience sales and turning people away and and kind of and also time to kind of reward ratio that we threw mm. it together in about six weeks like the moment from the decision to do it and the sign off from the board and the promotion of it was this incredibly short time and this amazing show time together and just sold out it was just you know and uh, we were thinking this is easy great we can do this. keep doing this and <laughs> um, but then after it, so we, we kind of, the decision was made by the board at that point when we'd, we'd come out of emergency fundraising, we'd made the decision to stay open, that we had to do some some Shakespeare that summer. We absolutely had to. And we had, I don't know, probably £50,000 in the bank and maybe that was all. And, you know, and we had a team, a very small team, but we did have some overheads and a team who did sort of need paying as well. So we did, we really didn't have a lot of money and Jekyll and Hyde went very well. So we had to come up with a Shakespeare that we could do you know, on some kind of shoestring. So at that point, you're faced with the choice of, do we go back to a whole load of actors and say, we can pay you significantly less than you've been paid before. Like, and, you know, we can really sort of do this on the cheap and we're not going to have costumes and we're not going to have lighting and we're not going to have sound and we put something on. But we felt that was that was sort of, well, unethical to expect mm. people to work for less and they weren't well paid before. Like, we didn't want to do that. Um you know, and also that it would be rubbish. That it would, it would be rubbish. It wouldn't hold up to the standard of what we'd done the year before. We did Merchant of Venice with a revolve and the most amazing sets, and directed by Natalie Abrahami. Like, how do you go from that to going? Oh, it's six people and nothing else. And um, so we were sort of thinking, well, it's got to be a small cast. What could we do? And then completely, coincidentally, or fate had decreed, there was a script that had been knocking around the creation office for some months. Uh, that had been passed on to previous artistic directors of an adaptation of Henry V done by Gus Gallagher, who had played Dr Faustus for us, um, for, as a three-hander. And no one had really paid it much attention. It had just been sort of passed around in one of those things that's printed out and you intend to read and you never get around to reading. And it had eventually landed on my desk... And we were having this, oh, what on earth could we do that Shakespeare was a small... <laughs> like a small beam of light oh, shone on. through the ah, window. <laughs> here's a script for a three-hander Henry V. 
you know, and I think Gus had sort of sold it with a sort of description at the beginning as well that kind of explained that the idea was to be quite playful and it's like here, everything unfolds out of one bag and, you know, they just create this show. So we went to Charlotte Conquest, to the brilliant Charlotte Conquest, who's done so many of, of our just, you know, some of the very best shows for creation and said, what do you think? <laughs> Charlotte was just amazing. went, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. And then, you know, what that allowed us to do was to pay three actors good wages. Again, not brilliant wages, but they weren't bad. They were, they were, they were sort of sensible fees. And we had, a, a, we found Ryan Dawson Lay, our, our designer for life, the keeper, <laughs> the one we will never get rid of because we love him so much, you know, and it had amazing Matt sound and Ash did this incredible job at lighting sort of three different spaces that we used as the audience promenaded around that, you know, so we were able to, with limited funds, we were able to put the money into making what we did really good. And it just, I mean, it's still today is one of the shows that I'm most frequently accosted by people saying, do Henry again, bring back Henry. Henry was the best one. And, and it just, it was just so, uh, it was amazing. It was a really, really amazing show. And it, it not only went down well with the Oxford audience and with, you know, Friends of Creation and people who like our work, a lot of industry people who came to see the show, who we didn't even necessarily know were in the audience, will come to me and say, I want to work with Creation because I saw Henry V. I saw what you did with Henry V and I want to work with you for that reason. So really, I suppose at that point, they were both partially sort of driven by a financial <laughs> limitation um, and that was the most sort of exciting and creative way to deal with that financial limitation but after that the absolute kind of honest truth of why we continued to do with these small car shows is actually that Jekyll and Hyde and Henry just showed how exciting small car shows is and how they kind of force your hand to be really really creative about how you t- how you story tell really creative about how you use your cast they open up amazing playful and 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 challenging opportunities for actors as well that they're not just doing one person they get to kind of really push the limits of what they can do so now it's actually really is a conscious sort of stylistic choice to go well actually if we're doing that show that's the way we want to tell it. And that's what we think is the most exciting way to tell that story. Because it's partly about... it. Well, it, it depends... It, having a small cast, either you have a title that's really well known, something like King Lear, and you think, what's what's the hook? Like, what's the way in? What are we, what are we going to do with it where people are going to think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder, what, I wonder how that's going to work. Jekyll and Hyde with one. It's just such a... Because it's about one man being two people, isn't it? That's fun. It brings it brings something out of the story. So either you're doing it with something like Lear, where you think, oh, I feel like I feel like I've seen Lear and I kind of know Lear. How are we going to mess with it? Or it's something like Henry, and you think no one even knows what happens in Henry. You know, like you have a freedom from a show that would never make it onto the big summer titles list with a cast of eight because it would be too expensive. And would you really sell? You know. 11,000 tickets for for Henry V? I'm not sure you would. But if you scale it down, then you have an opportunity to play with something and go, well, we don't we don't need yeah. it to, to be a blockbuster I show. I think there's a point as well where you have to kind of be sort of aware of, like, where you sit in the industry. And if we're, if we're telling King Lear, you know, or we're doing, you know, um, you know Henry V, well, we've not got the RSC's budget. We've not got the budget of the National. Mm. We've not got Glenda Jackson. Like realistically, if we if we try and create a version of what the RSC are doing, 
with a, a tenth of the budget and we try and emulate there's 12 people and there's yeah. we're going to try and make it look like that with no money well you know comparatively no money compared <laughs> to what they're spending on it it's not going to hold up very well it's going to no. be a poor what are we adding then a poor to... imitation of the so what we try and do is want to say well let's change the parameters let's not try and create the same thing let's tell our story let's tell our version of this this well-known tale let's narrow it down to what interests us let's make them something you can't compare because they're entirely entirely different things and you know when you're when you're looking at a complex story so say it's a Shakespeare what you're doing when you reduce the cast down it's a bit the same with Alice actually when you're reducing it down to small cast what you're saying is we're not telling the full story we're not following all the characters here we are zoning in and going, okay, we're following... At this moment, we want you to concentrate on this character and this character. In the case of Shakespeare, it's actually saying, let go of a whole load of the characters. You know, it's someone wearing a hat and they're representing a general. You don't understand which general that is. You you just need (laughs) to get the thread of they're giving him some bad news. Well, and most people probably watching a full-scale adaptation would have no idea which general that is anyway. You know, like, you're, you're assuming a lot of kind of people's people's knowledge... An ability, like I'm just terrible with faces. I just spent my whole life watching large scale shows, yeah. being like, "Is that the is that the dad? From, is that the dad from earlier? I'm not sure." Whereas it's like having a small cast firstly allows you to hack out loads of roles, and then allows you to go doesn't doesn't really if you just follow the information and probably yeah. the reaction of I'm thinking about Hamlet of Hamlet and how he's taking this information. What you're supposed yeah. to really be watching is him and what it's doing to his life and his story. I mean, Shakespeare as well, it, like, it's, so, it's so well known. You can open up so many possibilities. When we did Macbeth, we put together, oh, was it Macduff and you know, Ross? Macduff and McRoss became the same character. I think I've got that right. Because actually for the story, the version we told, that's what we wanted to do. Like yeah. it wasn't a decision of, oh, well, we can't afford it. It was like, actually, if you put those two characters together and you cut it this way, it creates a, a different take on it. It creates a different mm. story. It creates a really interesting journey that that new character goes on. Um, and that the stories have space and are robust enough that you can you can do that with them. You can focus on, actually, this is very much around Lear. And actually, yeah. if the rest of the people manipulating him and the rest of the world around him feels a bit fluid and a bit insecure and a bit kind of, oh, there's a person here doing this thing. and I don't really, Oh, and now this is happening. That's the story we wanted to tell because it is his, you know, his world and his mental health kind of unraveling around him. Um, and it is confusing. And I think that, you know, it is like you were saying, it's that like you can go and see a, a show with a cast of 20 and find it personally I can find it more confusing because I feel like I do need to know who they all are and what's happening with them all and oh who's he that's just walked on whereas once you establish a language of well actually I just need, he's changed his hat he's a new person that's yeah. almost easier than yes. having to remember oh he's the one that had slightly darker hair he's oh he is a different person and um, so that's one of the things that I think is really exciting about it and obviously with Dracula coming up that's a two-person show what's really exciting for us about Dracula is that it sort of was partly conceived thinking about just how fun it would be to put two actors into it and like, and not have Dracula. So it's very much, it's Jonathan and it's Mina and it's all told through them. And that actually sometimes you don't want to represent 
a key character because it sort of weakens the story. Actually, when you see someone play Dracula on stage, I just think it can't not be disappointing. Mm. They walk on, oh, on the mask, oh, it's just not scary. <laughs> like nobody, there is no person. Unless we're going to start going to, you know, like maximum security prisons and getting out like proper psychopaths. There's nobody <laughs> we can put on the stage that would be as frightening as we want Dracula to be. So actually what becomes frightening is it's when it's the unseen, it's shadows and noises mm. and suggestions and surprise and so we're going to entirely create the character of Dracula without ever seeing him because we really believe that will be more frightening than than someone in a cloak with some fake fangs in the mouth like that's never going to work thank you for listening to the creation theatre podcast you can find more episodes and all the latest creation news at creationtheatre.co.uk Thank you.